Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to Whatever Happened to Pizza at McDonald's, the investigative journalism program where I ask the question, whatever happened to the pizza at McDonald's? I'm your host, Brian Thompson. As you can tell from the tone of my voice, today I am utterly thrilled. For the very first time, our parent network, Pizza Plea Media, is launching a new program not hosted by me and not related to the McDonald's Pizza Matter. Speaking as the CEO of Pizza Plea Media, I can say that this is the fulfillment of a lifelong dream. The company has already achieved great success by far outlasting many of its competitors, including Go90, CISO, Quibi, CNN+, and the Panoply Network. But I am confident that this new program will speak to an even larger audience than the millions who listen to this one. And I am sure the resulting advertising revenue will prove quite a boon to our coffers. Our new program is called Evidence File. It is a true crime show hosted by an anonymous Australian man. For some time now, the true crime genre has proven very popular among audio entertainment listeners. In fact, Polls show the number one thing that brings comfort to the survivors of crime victims is the possibility that their loved one's story will be recounted on a podcast by a co-host who is reading a Wikipedia page to another co-host who is less knowledgeable. Evidence File does not have two hosts, as the salary requirements are simply not in Pizza Plea Media's budget. But it is my firmly held belief that this is to the show's advantage. By listening to a single, anonymous Australian man detail the details of horrible, brutal, frightening, and very entertaining crimes, Evidence File offers a more personal connection to the listener. And, by remaining anonymous, the host remains safe from retaliation at the hands of the criminals whose misdeeds he recounts, and or the online wrath of fact-checkers heck-bent on nitpicking every little detail. Evidence File is now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Deezer, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, GeoSavn, and of course, wherever you get your podcasts. And as a special treat, the first episode is included at the end of today's program. No need to thank me, but I would appreciate it. Before we get to that, there is a bit of news related to my investigation. That being, my investigation into McDonald's pizza, whatever happened to it, etc. Last week, the corporate McDonald's internet website, corporate.mcdonalds.com, published an article headlined, This West Virginia Owner-Operator 
is helping students get into college. To be perfectly candid, I mostly browse corporate.mcdonalds.com for the intriguing photo spreads, but occasionally the articles are somewhat interesting. And this is one of those. It details the efforts of Mr. John Ebert, a West Virginia McDonald's franchise owner who runs a service called Math ACT Prep. For those who are unaware, the ACT is a standardized college admissions test similar to the SAT. For those few peasants unable to bribe a dean, a high score on this test can be very beneficial in securing the opportunity to earn four years' worth of crippling student debt. In a rare moment of solidarity with the McDonald's Corporation, I applaud Mr. Ebert for his efforts. Assuming he runs his free college preparatory program out of the kindness of his heart, rather than to secure a fawning profile on corporate.mcdonalds.com. I could not help but notice, however, that Mr. Ebert's McDonald's franchises are located in the state of West Virginia. As geography buffs are already aware, West Virginia shares a border with the state of Ohio. In fact, the town of Spencer, West Virginia, rests just across the river from the depressed hamlet of Pomeroy, Ohio. As McDonald's pizza buffs are already aware, the Pomeroy McDonald's is the last location known to serve what was almost borderline likely original recipe McDonald's pizza. But what is less known is that the owner of that franchise, Mr. Greg Mills, also owns another location in the town of Spencer. In fact, this Spencer location also served McDonald's pizza. It was much more rarely visited than the Pomeroy location, on account of the bridge connecting the two communities collapses seven times a year from beaver damage. Mr. Mills bravely defied the wishes of McDonald's corporate by continuing to serve pizza well past its heyday. In the process, I am sure he made some powerful enemies in the company. For the safety of himself and his family, he finally gave in to their demands that he remove pizza from the menu just a few short years ago. But, reading this article about the philanthropic efforts of Mr. Mills's colleague, Mr. Ebert, I surmised that perhaps there is a way for Mr. Mills to re-ingratiate himself with the corporation and use his good graces to advocate for McDonald's Pizza's return. It would be tacky at best for Mr. Mills to start his own charitable college preparatory service. For one thing, he would be accused of copying his colleague. For another, barely anyone in Pomeroy is even interested in going to college, since no accredited institution offers a degree in their primary vocation, throwing rusty cans at stray cats. But there is a far greater testing need for the community of Pomeroy, which could provide Mr. Mills a perfect opportunity to make his mark as a McDonald's franchise owner of notable generosity. Before I contact him with a proposal, however, I will need to determine exactly how much this testing will cost. Thank you for calling the Carlson Company. Hello? Carlson Company, can I help you? Oh, hello. Do you do poison testing? Uh, certainly. Uh, there is a depressed hamlet in the state of Ohio called Pomeroy. 
And it is my understanding that their water supply mostly comes from a pond that also serves as a breeding ground for nutrias. Are you familiar with nutrias? They're very large rats. So I'm concerned that these people may be exposed to toxicity from nutria feces in their water supply. And I was wondering if perhaps maybe I could purchase some individual tests for these people to use. And I was wondering how much that would cost. Okay, so we're basically we're looking for the the chemicals and toxin panel. Not not the you're not gonna do the heavy metals, right? Just the chemicals and toxin panel. I do not know if there would be any heavy metals in nutria feces. I just know that whatever it is these people are consuming is making them look very weird, and I assume that it's the feces from the nutrias. Okay. Um, I don't have a specific panel that scans for that specifically, but but we can run the unknown chemical and toxin panel. Okay. On. And would you run it? You want to run it on the water itself to test the water, or do you want to run it on on, a, on someone's hair sample, urine, or blood? Uh, whatever you need. I'm sure these people would be willing to supply any sort of hair or urine or blood or whatever you need to test. I'm planning to help a local philanthropist, a local philanthropist, set up a nonprofit organization to give. Uh, nutria feces tests to these people for free, um, so he would be footing the bill. I just need to know how much, how much the bill would be. Okay, so nutria uh, feces. Let me do this, sir. I think the best way. That's why we don't we don't waste a lot of money. If I do the unknown chemicals and toxins, that's that that runs about eight hundred and seventy five dollars per sample. Eight hundred and seventy five per sample. Yes, but but I I want to. I want to see if we can detect nutria pieces by itself. If we if we scan for it exactly by itself, not not scan for anything else. But I need I need, I need we need to do some more more research to figure out which panel would, would work for us to determine that. Okay, that sounds wonderful. Uh, if, we, if, we, if we believe that this is a long term exposure, then head sample will be the best sample. I do believe it is long-term. These people have been living there for quite a while, and they, as I said, they look very, very weird. Oh, weird. Okay. And the, the other option, if we know that you know someone consumed it today, uh, we can definitely test blood or urine and, and, and figure that out. Okay. Well, that sounds perfect. I'm sure it okay. will not be difficult to find some urine in Pomeroy, Ohio. Uh, dot com at gmail okay and Brian are you are you a doctor I am not a doctor yet <laughs> I appreciate it sir Brian let me email you can I call you Brian is that okay uh, that would be perfectly fine thank you for asking Okay, thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good morning, sir. Bye-bye. You too. Goodbye.
While I sort out the details vis-a-vis this Nutria Rat Feces Poisoning Testing Charity, I will now fulfill my earlier promise of playing for you the premiere episode of Pizzaply Media's new true crime program, Evidence File. A word of warning, however. This program is not suitable for younger listeners, as it deals with horrible true crimes. I will now pause for ten seconds while you tuck your children into bed. Now, please enjoy the premiere of Evidence File, and please subscribe to it on wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode of Evidence File deals with crime. If you find crime disturbing, please seek professional help. It was a cool October morning in the small town of Giddyhopper, about a two-hour drive from the city of Boyle Lancer, New South Wales. Christine Peaches was walking to her friend Jeremy Pitt's house with an empty stomach. A week earlier, Jeremy had sent Christine and Evite to a small get-together he called a dehydration party. He'd recently come into possession of an electric food dehydrator, and he was excited to make some delicious dehydrated foods for his friend Christine. She made sure not to eat anything the morning of the party, so she could save plenty of room in her tummy for dehydrated fruits, vegetables, meats, and other such products. When Christine arrived at Jeremy's house and knocked on his front door, she was surprised when he didn't answer. It wasn't like Jeremy to send out an evite for a dehydration party and just forget about it. He wasn't like her ex-husband Michael, who was one of the most forgetful people Christine had ever met. One time, Michael had even forgotten to sign their marriage license. It made the divorce fairly simple, but it was also quite typical of Michael's forgetfulness. Christine spent 10 to 12 minutes thinking about her ex-husband Michael before deciding to try the knob on Jeremy's door. The fact that it was unlocked came as no surprise. Jeremy often spoke of how his number one fantasy was to be at home when an intruder entered his house. That way, he would be legally justified in shooting the intruder dead. He said he hoped this would happen soon, since he often found himself quite bored. He said it would really spice things up to take another man's life. He kept his door unlocked as a way to encourage any prowler who might make for a ripe kill. Christine chuckled to herself thinking about this silly fantasy as she entered Jeremy's home. Almost immediately, her nose filled with the unmistakable aroma of dehydrated meats. Wherever Jeremy was, Christine thought. At least he was considerate enough to start making a first course of freshly dehydrated jerky. 
She went to the kitchen and found the dehydrator sitting on the counter. This particular model had a light indicating when the food inside was in the process of dehydrating and when the dehydration process had finished. It was still red, so she knew that whatever was inside probably still had some moisture left, but her empty stomach had been growling for several minutes, and she thought there wouldn't be any harm in sampling some of the jerky before Jeremy came back from wherever he had gone. She opened the dehydrator and stared at the meat inside in a state of shock. This wasn't beef or chicken or lamb or deer or kangaroo or lizard or any other kind of traditional jerky meat. Even though it gave her a sick feeling in the pit of her empty tummy, Christine was sure the meat inside this dehydrator was human flesh. And she was equally sure it belonged to Jeremy. She was so upset at this revelation that she didn't even hear the gunshot coming from the kitchen doorway. The next thing Christine knew, she was dead. I've been wearing me undies underwear for several weeks, and my crotch has never felt fresher. You wouldn't believe how disgusting I used to be. Once I went to a coffee shop wearing these huge headphones that completely covered my ears. People thought I couldn't hear them talking about me because of these huge headphones. But they didn't realize the headphones weren't functional. I just wore them as decoration. So I overheard the people in the coffee shop saying I smelled like a toilet. Some of them even raised the idea of beating me up. I got my coffee and ran out of there as quickly as I could. Behind me, I could hear everyone cheering because they didn't have to smell my stink anymore. Those days are over now that I'm wearing me undies. For 5% off your first order, use the promo code HORRIBLECRIMES. Christine was correct that Jeremy's food dehydrator was filled with human flesh. But she was wrong to think the flesh belonged to Jeremy. Several days before his dehydration party, Jeremy decided to make his fantasy of shooting an intruder come true. He remembered his friend Christine mentioning that her ex-husband Michael was very forgetful. Not long after, Jeremy had formed the perfect plan. He sent Michael and Evite for a small get-together at his house where he would be trying some memory-enhancing pills he ordered online. He knew Michael couldn't resist. He planned to hide in the large pantry where he kept all the foods he was thinking about dehydrating. When Michael came over, Jeremy wouldn't answer the door. Assuming he forgot the right address, Michael would enter the house to ask whoever lived there where Jeremy lived. By entering the house unaided, Michael would become an intruder. Jeremy would jump out of the pantry and shoot him dead, thus fulfilling his fantasy. But Jeremy didn't realize just how forgetful Michael was. 
He really did forget Jeremy's address and accidentally entered Jeremy's neighbor's house, thinking this is where the memory pill party was taking place. Jeremy's neighbor shot Michael dead. Jeremy heard the gunshot from inside his large pantry. Even before he went next door to investigate, he already suspected he would find Michael dead. Jeremy's neighbor was quite empathic, so he immediately realized Jeremy was very jealous that he didn't get to shoot an intruder. As a neighborly gesture, Jeremy's neighbor offered to let Jeremy have the body to use as jerky meat in his precious food dehydrator. Jeremy eagerly accepted. Not just because he had always wanted to try human jerky, but also because this gave him another opportunity to fulfill his fantasy of shooting an intruder. That night, he sent the dehydration party Evite to Christine. The morning of the party, he loaded his food dehydrator with pieces of Michael's flesh. He knew the aroma would lure Christine into his house. At that point, Jeremy could finally cure his boredom by shooting an intruder. This second plan worked almost perfectly. But what Jeremy didn't realize was just how mouth-watering the aroma of Michael's dehydrating flesh would be. As Christine walked through Jeremy's house to the food dehydrator, her drool dripped from her mouth onto the floor. When Jeremy went to pick up her body so he could give it to his neighbor as a thank you for giving him Michael's body, he slipped on a puddle of Christine's drool. As he hit the floor, his gun went off. The next thing he knew, Jeremy was dead. When he got to heaven, he was surprised to find Michael and Christine waiting. They were back together now. The hospitals in heaven are quite good, and they easily cured Michael's forgetfulness. He and Christine moved into a big mansion and bought a solid gold food dehydrator. When Jeremy arrived, they all sat on the back patio eating dehydrated foods and laughing about what a crazy life they led back down on earth. Years later, Jeremy's home was sold to a computer programmer named Winston Smith. The real estate agent didn't reveal to him that it had once been the site of a brutal murder and accidental suicide, even though it was against the law not to reveal this kind of information. This was the last crime committed in Jeremy's house. Thank you for listening to Evidence File, presented by Pizza Plea Media. I'm your host, an anonymous Australian man. Join me next time for more information about horrible crimes. Do you know what happened to pizza at McDonald's? Do you remember it? 
please send all correspondence to pizza at McDonald's at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at, at pizza at McD's, and purchase my best selling book, How to Be an Investigative Journalist, at how to be an investigative journalist.com. To support the show, please join my Patreon at patreon.com slash pizza at McD's for exclusive podcasts and other benefits. Thank you to my invaluable Patreon producers, Sage Westfall, Isabella Zelaskowski, Jacob Ford, Kimberly King, Pam Gabriel, Will, Billy Jean, Brad Allen Thompson, Joe Kajic, Jay Poop, Calvin Thomas, Kat Resney, Kyle Tarak, Laurel Paul, Mel, Opus Moreshi, Ridian Mistelli, Felix Dooley, Andrew Duffy, and Ryan Guggenmoss. I'm Brian Thompson, investigative journalist. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.